0: 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com/work. shopify.com/work.
2: Sanspants Radio. Face it, Tiger, you just hit the jackpot.
1: Hey guys, it's Connie here. And Demo we're taking the show on the road, because some cities just need a live show. Movie Maintenance is coming to the Harbour City for a live fix. Join Gabe, Handsome Tom, Drob, and myself for our first show outside of Melbourne. It's on Thursday the 16th of November at Knox Street Bar in Sydney. Find tickets by going to trybooking.com and searching for Movie Maintenance, or just hit us up online and we'll let you know where to go. Cheers! Welcome to this week's episode of Movie Maintenance, where some movies just need pitching. I'm Carney. I'm Damian. I'm Greg. And this week is The Abominable Snowman. That's yeah. not easy to say It's not <laughs> That's my first problem That title's shit it? <laughs> <laughs> But it's so yes. iconic It's interesting Because I yeah. feel like The actual creature In mention Is more iconic Than the film sure. Which is not something That you probably say Like when you when you mention Dracula or Frankenstein Or the mummy You go Oh the films but When you right. say the Abominable Snowman or The yeah, Yeti, people yeah. were like, oh, that monster. Yes. That's probably out there. Yeah, they're not thinking of the movie that's related that's to it. Yeah, So I don't think anybody's seen the movie. <laughs> no, no. like It was hard to track down. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> so it came out in, uh, oh, I think it was 1954. Yep. It was one of the earlier Hammer films. And it was kind of before they went sort of more studio-based, mm. which sort of came about because they, you know, made a bit of money from, particularly I think from The Curse of Frankenstein right. was the early one that they profited from. Yeah. And then they, you know, moved into making a shitload of Dracula stuff and Frankenstein <laughs> yeah. stuff. And yet the abominable snowman never got a sequel. Never <laughs> got and you just gotta wonder why. Yeah, it's <laughs> <probably because laughs> Do you have to wonder why? No, having no. seen it, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm a big fan of the mountains, as yes. you know Damo. Yeah. And some of the listeners you are probably are sick of fan. hearing about. Yeah. So I found a little bit of quality in it.
2: And, and like we said, like because this is before they stuck to the studio stuff, like some of the aerial shots were genuinely fantastic, especially for that time. Yeah, you're saying yeah. they did that in Italy, is that right?
1: Yeah, I think oh, Italy or France right. or, what were you we saying, Greg, in the Alps yeah, there? Yeah, in the Alps. Somewhere. Yes. As as it's
2: meant to be the Himalayas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mate, yeah. Well,
1: just like, and geez, this is the one that kind of blew me away while I was watching it. They go to the monastery, they meet the lama, mm. and you go, oh yeah, there's, a, there's an old looking Tibetan man. He doesn't at all look like he's <laughs> completely white. And I've looked him up since. I think his name was Arnold or something oh, yeah. like that. that and is he's, he's German. Um, born in Germany, but grew up, you know, acting in London.
0: Yeah. That's a terrible casting. <laughs> yeah, he's so bad. He's if definitely that... German. Yeah, you, yeah you listen to him speak, and he's like, "Yes, there's some things of us." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, an authentic Tibetan accent. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That was shocking. That was um, terrible.
2: If you tried that these days, holy shit. Oh, like, you would get killed. I feel like they,
1: they hide, they have that shield of it being in black and white, and so you can kind yes. of hide, I guess, skin tones in yeah, some areas. Sort of gets but, lost. like, yeah. geez, that's a fuck up. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's terrible. Oh, yeah. He's a good shit character, too. <laughs> he's, he's
2: terrible. I don't yeah. know what the fuck was going on with him. I think he was just meant to be overly mysterious. Is that there a point in it,
1: though, uh, where our mate, you know, Foxy, that character Foxy? we love, he's yeah. the best, Um, he comes in and tries to talk to the llama, and the llama's in like this you know, this fix. Deep trance. Yeah, this trance. Is he connected to the snowman? That's what
0: I picked up on. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's definitely something going on there. He's controlling them.
2: Right. I think, yeah, there's some. he's somehow connected to them and then maybe he's uh, influence their actions and how they're attacking the guys up on the mountain because he doesn't really want them on that mountain. Yeah, like the whole time he was telling them about how dangerous it was, how you know it's not a good don't idea. Don't go, don't yeah. go. Yeah, <laughs> he even tells the wife. No, you know, don't go, <laughs> don't go. <laughs> he even tells the wife when she's like scared. He's like, yeah, you should be scared. It's really dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> like they, they're he's, probably gonna die. He's
1: not reassuring no, at, at all. At all. No. Like no. I can see why she goes up there. She yeah, mounts the yeah. mission. It's actually pretty good because here's their lookout. Yeah! Oh, yeah! 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 Absolutely. He's the gatekeeper. So yeah. you think that the lama told them that he was coming? I'm just yeah. putting my hand to my head like Professor X because I assume <laughs> yeah. that's how it works.
0: You Using your powers. <laughs> do
1: you reckon he warned? Yeah, goes into the a trend, Has a chat. Yeah. Yeah. FaceTime. He's like, by the well, way, I, there's I this guy named Tom Friend, and he's on his way up. Just <laughs> give him a friendly welcome. Can
0: we talk <laughs> about the name
2: Tom Friend while yeah, we're at terrible. it? it's terrible. So. Because the main guy keeps talking to Tom Friend and uses his last name as his name. Yeah. So he'd be like, all right there, hold on there, friend, rah, 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 rah. So when he's angry at him, I'm like, why is he calling him Friend if he's pissed off?
0: Yeah.
1: It's just like character naming 101. Like, what
2: the fuck were <laughs> yeah, they thinking? Yeah. And then to use it so often.
1: Some of the names were in place because this was a radio play. So what Hammer did see, initially, yeah. Hammer would take successful, or in this case, not particularly successful <laughs> radio plays and produce them as films. Right. And I've looked into it because I was keen to actually listen to The Abominable Snowman. There was never a recording of it. It was really weird. Uh, okay. Like it played on the radio and the, um, the really in-depth Wikipedia article that I read <laughs> mentioned that like quite a few, like a lot of people listen to it because this is back right. in the day when like... You know, if you had a radio, you were going to listen to whatever they were going to put on. <laughs> yeah, like, what yeah else? we had yeah, yeah. one There wasn't Netflix <laughs> and 10 million different channels to watch stuff on. Yeah. But yeah, like apparently a lot of people listened to it. It got okay reviews, yeah. but there's just no recording of it, no record of it. Yeah, Peter Cushing played the character. They played John Rollison in okay. the radio play. But they, yeah, they changed a couple of names, but mm, they kept friend, kept friend for some, some reason. <laughs>
2: well, it's interesting you say it's a radio play because as I was watching it, I quite often thought... They're telling us a lot of the action that we're currently seeing. So, like yeah. when the when the monkey breaks out of the cage, or the abominable Snowman frees the monkey from the cage, they're like, "Oh, look, it's doors all twisted." And you're like, "Yeah, yeah. we know it's twisted. We can see it's twisted." Oh, there's footsteps over here. Oh, they might be seven feet long or whatever. And we're like you're literally telling us what we're seeing. Like that's See, you know, you should, that's the last thing you should be doing in film. Yeah. So
1: you think they just sort of took that radio oh, I play think they, script? I don't think they edited that. the script at all.
2: Like honestly, rewatch it. And
0: well, it he wouldn't have it. to relearn his lines yeah, or yeah. change anything. he would just be like, I've got this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He was fantastic. He Peter did, oh my gosh. What a joy to watch. Oh. This happens a lot. You watch a film or something and there's just one actor who's just so far above mm. everybody else. And it's it, it, it's actually a pleasure to watch. Yes. Like it, it made me, I got to the end of it and I went, despite the flaws in this film, mm. I really want to watch more of the Hammer films because Peter Cushing's in quite a few of them. Like he plays oh, right. Van Helsing, comes up against Dracula and things like that. Yeah, I want to watch that. I probably yeah. will now. And it's, he's so good. Yeah. I can't believe
2: it. I don't, yeah. like he's, he's generally interesting guy to look at, but there's also just something about that. I mean, it's that old manner of speech that they have. Yeah, It's so engaging. You can't stop listening to it. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's
1: something really cool about watching like a really good actor maybe deliver like and exceed some bad dialogue. Yes. Like I've witnessed yeah. it firsthand when Greg performs my right. shitty lines. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's like. Oh, I couldn't believe it. He's so far ahead of everybody else. Now the guy played—I can't remember his name. The guy played Tom Friend in it. Yes, because um, uh, he was the headline act, basically. Yeah, because I he think was this is one. Peter Cushing's like sort of earlier Hammer right. film work before yeah. he became like the star for their studio, basically. Yeah. So this, oh, Forest Tucker—that's his name. Forest Tucker. That's his Forrest, name. Tucker, that's his Forrest name. Tucker was like the lead guy, and he—he he got critically panned. Right, and people are just like, he is just shit. Yeah. One review I read was kind of like, Forrest Tucker. May be quite good at a great many things. Acting is not one of them. <laughs> I love how even how tame oh, that is by fine. today's yeah. standards. <laughs> it's like a gentle, like, yeah. oh, there, there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> nice a try. Little and, let down. And what did
2: you think of his character, like his motivation? Oh, I
1: actually quite liked it. I saw some yeah. parallels to. Um, Carl Denham in King Kong, who yes. I borrowed from quite liberally when I was doing Hopkins in, in Dracula. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really like that character. Mm. And it's it's similar to what we saw in Creature from the Black yes, Lagoon where you've got that. these two opposing forces. So it's, gra- it's great to watch.
0: Yeah, they're almost companion movies in that sense. Yeah,
1: I'd watch them as a double feature or something. No worries. Yeah. Yeah. You,
0: you could tell his motivation, but... The, some of the others' motivations. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. okay, what were they doing there? Why is, yeah. where have they gone along? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like this is a dangerous <laughs> ah, situation. He was the only
1: one that was like super yeah, clear. Super You're like, clear. Yeah, yeah, he's motivated by capturing the creature yes. and making money.
2: But, he, but even then, he kind of turned around and when he was like, you know, sorry for getting worked up. And he told him how he basically wants to, to give people hope or even just an understanding that there's another side of humanity out there. Yeah. And I really love that. I thought that was yeah. really great. I mean, he, was quite, he delivered that line at least quite genuinely. Yeah. And you kind of believed it. You're like, yeah, this character, yes, he, he says, I, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I want to make money off this. Mm-hmm. But I also want to show the world that there's more out there.
1: That's a good point because, and again, this isn't another uh, review that I saw for this film. Some one of the reasons that people thought maybe it didn't catch on was because it was actually, and I don't know if we'll agree with this, but a little too deep. Like, there were ideas brought up in it that were not (laughs) typical of a hammer horror film. Oh, for sure. And so people were kind of like, this isn't what we want to see because it is interesting that you have a movie about a monster Mm. and you have these people going up against it and they've got weapons and stuff, and you don't see like an actual fight scene or you don't see the monster get burnt alive or destroyed at the end get a, or something. So you don't see
2: a shot. You hear a gunshot yeah. from inside the tent or whatever, and all of a sudden, I think I shot it.
1: Yeah, right? Yeah. And then, yeah. And then when they go down to see it, they're like, look at its face, and it's behind <laughs> a rock. And that's the way that's the way they framed <laughs> yeah, it, and we, we can't we got, see. we got
2: an arm out or something like that, and he's yeah. like, it's face. It's... <laughs> I think, okay, well, I want to see the face now.
1: I think like the costume designer was yeah. so happy with that hand because it's pretty much all we <laughs> see amazing. for most of it.
2: When it comes into the tent, yeah. Holy crap! Are those big nails? Oh, it's beautiful. We talked about this when we did. <laughs> I creature. love how it's
0: just going for a rifle. Yeah. yeah, right. like yeah. <laughs> but, but I didn't like the first rifle. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, I think okay. I'll reach across and grab that one. That's a much better feel. <laughs> I wanted him to or push grab that one. I wanted
1: him to push past the weapon and go for like some biscuits or something. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Just pour a drink. <laughs> yeah. Bit, a Bit of a yogi bear move, sort of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in bringing up sort of some bigger ideas and yeah. some bigger conflicts, much like they did in Creature from the Black yes, Lagoon, where yeah, it got yeah. quite scientific. Mm. Yeah, it was a different kind of Hammer film.
2: Yeah. Like this one was almost more philosophical at times. Yeah. Where they're talking about, you know, well, do these creatures have as much right as us to be here? Are they pretty much just waiting for us to die off so they get their turn sort of yeah. thing? and it, it kind of did sort of bring up the question well, who's the real monster and
1: which know, is great i yeah. think that's great yeah
0: and a higher level of intelligence as well mm. a, an ability above humans exactly um you know a new evolution yeah. of man they, yeah, they almost like talk... an alien type thing that, yes. you, yep. that you see a lot in alien films mm. where the alien creatures obviously can communicate telepathically and mm-hmm. then that's this is all going on and that's, that's right in this weird
2: in those days. movie yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly Amazing. right it is yeah. And you're right, because he even sort of said, um, what if we're the Neanderthals and it's the higher level being, you know?
1: There are some fascinating ideas in it. And one of them is sort of that idea that there are species perhaps that are like waiting to outlive humans. Mm. Humans can fuck up the world. We'll wait up here, you know, in these back then particularly uninhabitable um, part of the world or whatever. And they're just kind of waiting it out. And it's, I don't know, it's interesting to see Mm. the characters in it yeah. if any of them do come to terms with that, start to grapple with that. Yeah. And I think that John and Peter Cushing's character, sort of has a bit of a handle on that, whereas mm. the others are kind of just... They're a bit oblivious. Yeah. yeah. They're either driven by greed, like yeah. our mate Tom Friend, or <laughs> the others who we just don't really know yeah, what the fuck's like, going on. Yeah, like, I'm
2: good at taking photos. Yeah, but you're climbing a mountain to death. Like, yeah. what, what are yeah. you doing? <laughs> and he's really happy to
1: just, like, bring up, like, oh, I actually paid to come on this trip. Yeah. And it's <laughs> like, they never really do anything with that. No, they really do. Does can. he then get his foot snared?
0: Yeah, he's only one gets his foot. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was um, just like, kind of yeah. like, we needed an extra person that's going to die yeah, at some point. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, yeah. he'll do. Yes.
1: You need some bodies. No yeah. backstory no required. Back, don't
0: worry about backstory. Yeah. It's oh, an, it's annoying a backstory. Yeah. Give him camera. <laughs> that'll, do. that'll do. That's his story. It's annoying <laughs> when they
1: hint at the backstory and then, like, don't do it. Yeah. They just don't follow through on it. It's yeah, a bit frustrating. Right. I do like how they, for a movie called The Abominable Snowman, we don't, See the snowman basically until the final scene. Yeah, literally
2: just that one shot.
1: Yeah, probably because it was too expensive. (laughs) Yeah, it was probably more to do with the the cost than like a a, like a filmmaking decision. Yeah, (laughs) but yeah,
2: and it was interesting because like they'd built up about oh its face and it's actually like hold on, what if it's a greater being? So it wasn't, again, it lost the horror by the time we saw it. Like, I don't think yeah. when we see the face, it's actually meant to be scary at that point. It's mm-hmm. meant to be a bit of a sort of, yeah, are we seeing a higher level being? Is it like like man looking at God sort of thing? And then, of course, he passes out and then they're away. Yeah.
0: It's, it's quite a beautiful thing,
2: yeah. you know, in a, in a way. And I, I'd be interested to know. Definitely not
0: standard horror, though. Definitely not standard no. horror, exactly,
2: which is interesting because it is, yeah, Hammer Horror is one of the early ones. Mm. But i will be interested to know what movies it has influenced, even though it's sort of this lesser-known movie.
1: Well, I mean, I read, like, a thing where it's like it was a clear influence for Blair Witch Project, just that, right. that sort of haunting... And, and obviously, again, with these films, they're probably more haunting and more horrific back in the 50s yeah. rather than by today's standards. But that moment, you know, where they're hearing voices and they're going out into the night, and like yeah, there's a bit in, yeah. in Blair Witch where they're calling out to their friends yes. in the darkness and they don't know what's happening. Stuff like that, I guess. It's so weird because it's such a wide-open set, you know, mm. in these mountain ranges, yeah. and yet it's quite a claustrophobic sort of isolated yeah, well said, yeah. feeling.
2: And especially once the snowstorm comes in,
1: yeah, which is actually, I, I didn't mind those scenes, mm. and I particularly like Tom Friend watching the avalanche come oh, at it. That was the best scene of the yeah. movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Yeah. He's good, yeah. when, he's good. when he's not talking. <laughs> when he's not talking, yeah. But the
2: look on his face—he's just like he just accepted it as the bit of a, I brought this on myself" kind of a look, which and is beautiful. Which is what you want. Great. He had
1: like a decent character arc. Yeah, yeah,
2: he, yeah Good point. Yeah, he really did.
1: Shame not. Yeah, no one else. Really <laughs> no one else. Did. No. <laughs> Helen's was okay. Helen's was okay. She was. But... She started out as, you know, the, the typical woman in the 50s who, yeah. like, they didn't let her do anything and she had to make <laughs> them dinner and stuff. But then <laughs> she got out just... there and saved the day, essentially. Yeah,
2: she did. I, and that's what I liked because I was watching it thinking, oh, this is, you know, it's that 50s movie where... Like, they, are they aware how condescending they're being to the female character? And it's like, well, what did you bring your wife up here for? She's a woman, you know? <laughs> yeah. But then ultimately, yeah, she's like, well, screw this. If they're in danger, I'm going to go save them. Yeah. And does, basically. Yeah. She was good. Yeah, I liked her good. character.
1: Yeah. I don't think that actress did much after this film. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. it's a shame because she was all right. Yeah. And Peter Cushing, <coughs> obviously, is just the standout. But yeah. Yeah. He's great. He's great He's for happy. like, for their, I will watch these other Hammer films. Just purely to watch him. I think we, we need to watch him
2: movie night. He is uh, fantastic. Yeah, (laughs) I'm
1: down for that. Shall I jump in a bit on this? I'm pretty excited. What I'm going to do is pitch a sequel. Like, we could, we've just talked about things that needed fixing and that sort of thing. But I actually, my sequel came about in a weird way. It's because I looked at Peter Cushing on screen and I went, you know what? You look so much like Charles Dance from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He does. He does. And I was like, mention it. And I was yeah. like, Peter
1: Cushing, when they filmed the movie, was you know in his 40s. Mm. Charles Dance is about 70 now. Yeah. So I was kind of like, what could I do with Ooh, a sequel set okay. 30 years later? Yeah. Using the same character. So Charles Dance playing Dr. John Rollison. Great. Yeah. And let's just dive in and, oh, and see where oh, it goes. Hold, nice. Sorry, hold on.
2: Are we keeping a
1: <laughs> No, see, I, I just want to call it The Snowman. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Which I know is tricky because Fassbender's got He's a good. movie at the moment called yeah. The Snowman. Right but I feel like that movie is getting panned yeah. and is so shit die. that people will forget that it existed. <laughs> yeah. And by the time Hollywood catches on to this and makes this one, yeah. maybe yeah, we can right. get away with you're it. we the money. I just like yeah. it. Yeah. The other thing is well, you
2: are. I was just thinking, because you brought it up before, I'm like, I don't think anyone ever uses the word abominable because other it's a, than in relation to the snowman, I tell you what,
1: it's one of those words where you have to pause just for a brief second before you say it to make <laughs> yeah. sure that you nail it. Yeah. Like and I usually don't. Abominable. So <laughs> I don't even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's tricky. Like yeah. it's tricky. Yeah. You know, like if you ever been to the cinema and you, there's a really weird titled movie and you just look for the shortest possible version <laughs> of it to buy your ticket, and sometimes yes. they still hassle you and go, "Sorry, which one?" And you have to yeah. say the whole fucking thing. You sort of like yeah. mumble yeah. it out at them. Yeah. The abominable snowman. Yeah, I would just call it the Snowman. Cool. Mm-hmm. Great. Loving Nice. So we open on an updated Hammer Films logo. Think of you know the Marvel logo where they have the comic book characters coming in through the words, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But we'll do it you know Hammer style. So there's Frankenstein, the Mummy, Dracula, finally the Abominable Snowman, with the final few nice. beats of it showing characters from the 1950s film, nice. like Foxy. <laughs> I
0: love Foxy. Foxy.
1: So that fades into <laughs> a <laughs> that fades into a black and white landscape. We see mountains, and then closer in snow. It stretches for miles and miles and we follow it. In time, we reach an icy clearing. We see a small row of freshly dug graves. Wooden crosses mark each of them. These are the graves of the characters in the 50s film. We see Tom Friend, oh, good. Ed Shelley, Andy McNee. We linger for a moment and then we turn our attention to what rests behind them. A cave. We go into the cave and we see Dr. John Rollison as he was played by Peter Cushing might have to do a little bit of effects here, but Star yeah, Wars okay. Rogue One, pull yeah, it off. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just go <laughs> yeah, with that. Yeah, bring it on. The shadows of the creatures line the walls around him. And as happened in the film, we close in on his face as he looks at the Yeti. And then the words he said to the llama after, along the lines of, there was nothing there. There is no creature. Play, as he locks eyes with the abominable snowman. We go from Peter Cushing's black and white face in the 50s to 30 years later, and now in colour. The same expression, the same character, only now John Rollison is played by Charles Dance. Nice. We move out from Rollison's face and see that he is seated in a car. His face is grim. We now see that he sits across the road from a hospital. He gets out of his car just as it starts to rain. But rather than hurry along, he takes his time and is soaked. He walks along a corridor and is greeted by a doctor. He gets an update on his wife's condition. And we can see her resting in a bed. She's not doing very well. The doctor tentatively brings up a few suggestions for other care facilities, ones that are cheaper and a little more in their price range. Basically, they're going to have to move her very soon. Rollison gets rid of the doctor and he musters a smile as he enters the room and speaks with his wife, Helen. She asks if their friend Foxy is coming soon. Rollison avoids the question, knowing that Foxy died years ago. They are interrupted by a man. A uniformed soldier, his name is Colonel Anderson. Anderson needs Rollison's help on a mission into the mountains. You see, the villagers have been terrorised, destroyed, and people killed by creatures in the night. Rollison asks what the hell that has to do with him. Anderson throws down photographs on the table. Rollison looks through them. Houses destroyed, fires, blood, dead bodies, and finally, footprints in the snow. Giant footprints. Here we go. Rollison shakes his head and says, The amount of people who have come to ask me about this sort of thing, for years, my answer is the same. I never found a damned Yeti in the mountains. I cannot help. <sighs> oh really, says Anderson. You want to tell me what happened to the rest of your team then? How they died? Tom Friend? Ed Shelley? Andrew McNee? Do these names mean anything to you? Ooh. And he says they mean a great deal to me. People go mad in the mountains. Any other theories are illogical and I can't help you. Anderson explains another theory he has that people have speculated about the powers of the Yetis, and that perhaps his mind was wiped or controlled. Rollerson fires back, saying that if that were true and his mind was controlled, then he's hardly a reliable sort to take on a mission like this. But Anderson needs him because Rollerson has a relationship with the lama, with the German lama of the, Tibetan, <laughs> of the Tibetan monastery that blocks the pass into the mountains.
0: He speaks German. <laughs>
1: And they require his blessing to pass through on their way to fighting the creatures. They need his help.
2: So is the llama still alive?
1: Yeah, I'm going oh, to use uh, him. I did look at the place. film and go, shit, how old do you reckon that guy is? But if he was about 60 in the film, he's oh, about, uh, about no, 90. No, I like it. Because yeah. you've yeah. got this
2: really tiny wizened, wizened yeah. llama. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Rollison may not remember the yeti, but he still remembers the path to the graves and the cave. And once they find those, they can track the beasts. Rollison's still not interested, so Anderson points out the window and he says, there's two helicopters out there. One of them takes us to the Himalayas, and the other one takes your wife here to the best government hospital we have, where she'll get all the treatment she needs day and night. Brilliant. Rollison thinks of Helen and how little money they have, and he doesn't have a choice. He accepts, but he looks at the colonel and he says, whatever is killing these people, whatever these creatures are, you mean to destroy them, yes. Destroy or drive away, help people. Not lock them in a cage to study. Anderson grins and says, Dr. Rollison, you don't have to worry. Our only mission is to save the people. And that's when we get the title on screen and we'll just call it The Snowmen.
2: Great. Mm-hmm. Well, mate, you're bringing the heart already. <laughs> yeah. <mate. laughs> yeah. In the first act. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: that's what was missing.
0: Backstory. We've
1: yes. got the backstory. <laughs> yes. It's right here. So they touch down in Tibet in the shadows of these great mountain peaks and Rollison immediately gets to work and meets with the Lama who is now very, very old. Like we said before, I imagine he's probably like 90. And if we could cast someone who isn't German, that would be fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) The Lama says to him, last time, 30 years ago, I let you pass and men died. And for what? You were here to study. Tom Friend was here to profit from capturing a supposed monster. Rollison reaffirms that the soldiers are here to protect the villagers higher up in the mountains. The Lama asks if Rollison has remembered anything in the past 30 years, but Mm. Rollison brushes him off. No, he says. There is nothing out there, at least not what these men seek. Let them pass and help the villagers and see for themselves that it's a bear or some other wild animal, and then they'll leave. And the lama reluctantly agrees. So the group set out, and I'm thinking like there's half a dozen soldiers, mm-hmm. kind of like marine types, you know, like in Aliens, you get the yeah. cocky yeah, and okay, the boisterous yeah, yeah. grunts, they're all hauling guns and flamethrowers. Yeah, going up into
2: that sort of extreme, yeah. Yeah. you've got those guys like, bring it yeah. on.
1: Because we've seen hammer, like, oh not hammer films, but horror films where you have perhaps a scientific team, like in Creature, go yes. there and they're not prepared, they don't have weapons. But this right. team sort of knows what they're in for it's okay. a rescue mission, save the villagers. Yeah, They've yeah. got their guns and shit ready.
2: Are they a bit trigger happy, these guys? I think they would be. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. they're
1: those typical sort of, you know, it's Hudson from Aliens, right. Bill Paxton, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. just want to fight anything and they don't give a shit what's coming. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. So the path that Ron's familiar to Rollison, he can at least remember that well enough. He's happy for a time to be back amongst the clean mountain air, but that happiness is short-lived. The higher they climb, the more villages they pass through, and they see a wave of carnage. Splattered blood, bodies in the streets, livestock gone, homes burnt out. Then they reach a village that's deserted. There are no bodies in the street, nothing on fire or smouldering. The animals are still locked up behind fences. Anderson and his men want to keep moving, but Rollison notices signs of a struggle. Scattered footprints in the snow. They investigate, and they find a child. Her name is Netu, and she's probably about 13 or 14 years old. Mm-hmm. She's terrified, starving. Her clothes are filthy. She's softly spoken, but she says that she's been hiding for days. She falls quiet before telling them that the rest of the village was taken. Anderson's now interested. She said, how many did they take? How many people are missing? She says, about 20. Wow. And then mm-hmm. she shivers and says, it comes at night. Anderson refuses to waste a man by sending her back down to the monastery. So they must bring her along. Rollison takes it upon himself to watch over her as the soldiers are too riled up and bloodthirsty to find the missing people and kill the snowmen. So they climb higher and the weather starts getting much, much worse. And the higher they go, the weirder things become. How's it going with his leg? Yeah, because they brought that up in the original, didn't they? That he had the leg problem. Yeah. I feel like they never really did anything with it though, and he mm. never actually seemed to have an issue. No, he was doing better he than the. Wasn't limping? No. Yeah, he, he wasn't was yeah. just
0: trekking up those Alps uh, slash it. Himalayas. Yeah, so <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like it's,
1: it's probably the kind of thing that we can ignore yeah. from the first one. Right. Although he's seven, he's about he's 70, seventy now. Yeah, so okay. like you know, he's probably st- he's struggling a bit. He got all these young, fit soldiers, yeah. and he's probably yeah. bringing up the rear with this kid who's I, terrified. I, I would like it if if
2: this kid's scared, but she's sort of encouraging him. Yeah.
1: She's sort of pushing him along. Yeah, yeah. Or like she's ahead of him and he's like, I've got to keep fucking going to help her and make sure she's okay because they don't give a shit. They've just got their guns out. Motivation
2: to get up there. Yeah, great. Yeah,
1: cool. So, you know, things are getting weird at the higher they climb. Like a soldier goes off to take a piss and he never returns. (laughs) Another goes missing with no sign, no footprints, nothing. There are sounds in the night, the wind howls, and perhaps other things do too. Whispers and voices carried on the air. Anxiety grows, rumors, tensions. Fear rises along with the altitude, and the potential for madness starts to creep into their party. I like actually playing around with this because mm. I do think sort of the further up you go in these situations, especially up in there when oh, there's high altitude, the altitude, it starts to play with your it head does, a bit, and you sure. don't sleep properly anymore. And it starts to kind of you think you might have seen something, and yeah, you're not quite and you might sure. like get a bit
2: giggly. You almost get a bit of a high going sometimes. Yeah, right. So if you're in that state of mind with weird shit happening, yeah, that that
0: yep. was in in the original as well, where it was just suggested, and and is mm. it altitude that's causing? Yeah. The, them yes. to hear things or mm-hmm. is it the snowman? Yeah. I
1: kind of like that sort of ambiguous uh, ambiguousness of yes. it. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the word. Yeah. So not long after, two more men go missing. There's a trail of blood staining the snow. But it ends as abruptly as it began and they have no answers still. It's here in the grip of darkness and fear that we learn a little bit more about Colonel Anderson. He stands on the perimeter with uh, with Rollison. He's pulling the trigger on his flamethrower every so often just to scare away any unwanted threats or to perhaps let people know where they are. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, we've jumped 30 years, so we're in like probably 1980 or something okay. like that. Okay, yeah, yeah. He explains that he served in Vietnam, a war where they went in unprepared, into enemy terrain, and ultimately paid a terrible price. It was an unwinnable situation, and for a man who needs to win at all costs, it was a position that he never wanted to be in again. Oh, yeah. And then they handed him this shitty detail. But rather than complain and accept defeat, he would do what nobody thought possible. He would win. He looks down at the flamethrower in his hands and he shakes his head. He says, never thought I'd want to use one of these again. Hmm. When I was over there, damn, first time I've seen napalm. Have you ever seen fire so hot it melts the faces off men? When I signed up, they don't tell you about that. They don't tell you about lifting a guy onto a stretcher only for his melted skin to peel away as you touch him. But this fire here in my hands. It's not for man. It's for those fuckers out there. He says, history repeats itself. Sometimes we learn, but that doesn't always mean the people we work for learn. Vietnam taught me an important lesson. You can't be the colonel who never loses a man, no matter how hard you try. Men will die. You make the best of what you have and complete the mission. And so they climb higher still and the weariness is growing now. Rollison bonds with the girl, Netu. She doesn't say much, He sits alone around the fire, cutting an apple with his knife. She approaches slowly and takes a seat near him. They sit in silence. He offers her a piece of apple, but she refuses. He reaches in his bag and takes out another apple. He offers it to her and she accepts. He cuts himself another piece and then hands her the knife. She cuts her own piece and then returns the knife. And they repeat this action as they both stare quietly into the flames. I kind of want, like, I needed a bonding scene between him and the child. Hmm. But it's like I feel like a typical thing to do would be to have them sitting at the fire and her being like, Oh, I miss my mum and dad and my yeah. family, I hope they're okay yeah. and him being like, Oh, I miss my wife, I hope she's okay. And then so Right. That's what I brings kind of, them together. Yeah. yeah, I I watched a film recently that had for me like the most beautiful scene in the film was when there was so much to be said between mm. these two characters, but there was no dialogue. Yeah. Beautiful. And it was all just done between like their actions and the way they look at each other. So I kind of like the idea yeah, of them just sitting at the yeah. fire and passing a knife back and forth with this like 14 year old kid. Yeah. And yeah. that's just how they bond. Yeah. Nothing being said.
2: Yeah. Also like it because it's the opposite of what they did in the original where they said everything. So- <laughs> <laughs> now we are <have> bonding. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. now I pass you the knife. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cut a
1: big piece. Thank you. <laughs> so now we've got more soldiers who have disappeared. And Rollison, he's called on to you know help carry some of the equipment that those soldiers wear. He's got to do a bit more now to sort of help out. And while he's doing this, he drops some of it onto the ground, and it breaks open, revealing all sorts of tools. But they're tools that are designed specifically to capture the creatures. Oh. Anderson lied to him, and they get into an argument. Anderson slams Rollison for his ni- uh, naivety. How could he be so foolish to think that they wouldn't study the creatures? Rollison is furious. He accuses the soldiers of putting the capture of the the snowmen ahead of saving the villagers, which strikes a nerve because it's true. And ultimately, Mm. Anderson doesn't really shy away from that. Rollison goes crazy. He says, I don't know what powers you think these snowmen have, but I can tell you that mind control isn't one of them. I never had my mind wiped. I was never controlled. I never forgot. I didn't forget a damn thing. I remember it all. I remember Tom going mad with fear and hunting the beast until he died. I remember the others picked off in the night. I remember our guide, Tucson, having the sense to run down the mountain and get as far away as he could. Most of all, I remember its face staring at me for God knows how long. It's not a monster. There's something else, something higher that'll outlast us. And there's not a gun, not a damn flamethrower in your possession that will make a difference. There's not enough of you for how many of them there are. I can't even guess how many. I never wanted them to be found. I never told anyone. I never told my wife. She found me, passed out in the snow, and I told her I never saw it. I looked her in the eyes and I lied to her, and I did again. Any other time it ever came up. I guess I felt like I was protecting her. I was stopping others from trying to find this place. I was stopping her from coming back. All I ever did was lie to the woman that I love. Anderson takes it all in and sits in silence for a moment before he asks, why did they let you go? I always thought it was because they knew I'd never come back, but now I'm back here and... I did it for my wife because I was afraid. Fear dictates what we do. Rollison tells him that when the morning comes and the storm passes, he's taking the girl and going back down. The night passes, but the storm doesn't. Their way down is blocked and the only way is up. (laughs)
0: Later
1: in the day, Anderson gets a call on the radio, a call from home. Rollison's wife passed away in the night. Anderson makes camp and tells Rollison the news. Rollison nods his head slowly takes it all in. He doesn't say a word. Once Anderson finishes, Rollison turns his back and walks away from the camp. He leaves their sight and sinks to his knees in the snow. With his trembling hands, he reaches into his jacket and withdraws a picture of Helen. He looks down on it as he tries to steady his hand. His shoulders shake and he cries. Later, Rollison sits alone at the campfire. The soldiers man the perimeter, keen to be away from the grieving man and his feelings. Netu slowly approaches. She takes a seat next to him by the flames. She doesn't say a word. She just stares into the flames as he does. She reaches into her pocket, withdraws an apple, and offers it to oh, him. You broke yeah. my heart. And he smiles.
0: Oh, got me right in the feeling. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> it. That's the one. That's what we want.
1: Later, they're awoken by a commotion. Their camp has been ransacked, their equipment all destroyed, their tools gone. The only things that remain were what they had on their person probably thinking their guns and their flamethrowers and such. Mm -hmm. The radio is broken. They can't call for help. They're completely stranded and completely exposed. Rollison tells them that the cave beside the graveside of his friends is a little further up the mountain and they each light a flame from the fire because their torches have been destroyed or Mm -hmm. taken or whatever and set off on the perilous path. Rollison's eyes linger on the grave markers of his fallen friends, but the cold makes him hurry along to the cave. Memories come rushing back as he enters. The net that they set for the Yeti still hangs, covered in cobwebs, after 30 years. They all huddle inside for warmth. Rollison, Netu, Anderson, and the handful of remaining soldiers. They each hold a burning stick in their hands, the light from which barely lights half the cave. They huddle, terrified for hours. Nobody speaks. Even Anderson is too disturbed to formulate their next step. The only sound is the wind outside and the chattering of teeth. Rollison sits in silence, wondering how long it will take for the snowmen to find them. But then, they hear a sound. They move their torches, cutting through the dark, but the cave is vast. They expect the shuffle of giant feet, the growl of a hungry monster, the wail of an angry snowman calling to his kind. But instead, the sound they hear from the darkness of the cave is... For one terrifying second, they look around at each other before the soldier closest to Rollison has the flaming stick ripped from his hand and stabbed through his back. The end of it ripping through his chest, stealing his life and extinguishing the flame. Those fastest to move rush for the cave exit, but in a whirl, their path is blocked by a flock of bats that swarm around their heads and tear at their skin. Their only choice is to run further into the cave, where a dark shape appears in front of them and lifts them off their feet. One of them watches his friend's neck being opened up as the blood sprays across his face. His fear only lasts a few moments longer as he too is drained from the neck before his forearms are sickeningly wrenched from their sockets. The remaining soldier bravely steps ahead of Anderson, but before he can put pressure down on the trigger of his gun, he cries out in pain as two forearm bones puncture his skin and he's pushed back into the cave wall, the force so strong that the bones splinter against rock. Anderson pulls the trigger on his gun and the cave erupts with a sound of gunfire. The dark shadow swirls and once more gone. Rollison screams at him to cease firing. The space is too confined. The bullets are just as likely to ricochet and hit them. So instead, he pulls the trigger on his flamethrower and lights up the cave with fire. He screams for the creature to show itself. He moves through the cave, lighting it up, but he doesn't see what creeps behind him. Dracula steps forward from the darkness and sinks his teeth into Anderson's neck. Oh, my God. Anderson drops the flamethrower and tries to turn and face him, but Dracula throws him through the air. He hits his head on the rock, bleeding freely, but he still turns to face the vampire. He pulls a knife from his belt and says, Come on, you son of a bitch, I'm not afraid of you. No. Holy shit. Not of me, perhaps, but I think... You are afraid of the flame. And Dracula picks up the flamethrower, puts his finger on the trigger, and looks down upon Anderson, whose eyes widen in fear as the flames engulf him and melt. He oh, melts love- before their eyes. <laughs> oh, shit. Dracula turns away from the smoldering body and slowly walks towards Rollison and Netu, who sit huddled in the corner. He reaches out for the girl, but Rollison snarls at him to leave her alone. Dracula turns his attention to <laughs> Rollison He kneels in front of him and studies his face.
0: These men in the cave, who would say they do not fear me? They lie. You fear me too, as you should. But with you, it is different. You've seen a monster. The look on your face is not one of surprise. No, it is more like acceptance. And there are more out there than you thought. You've seen the snowman?
1: Yes, in this very cave, 30 years ago.
0: (laughs) What a fool you must be to
1: come back here. Why did you? Rollison looks at the ground and says, for my wife. How so? She was sick. They offered to help her, if I helped them. (sighs) For her sake.
0: I hope you were already paid.
1: She's dead. So it hardly matters. It wasn't the snowmen who attacked those villages, was it? It was you. Dracula nods. What do you want? Why have you come here? Why are you hurting these people?
0: I can only fight against my nature for so long. I have been on this earth for, well, a very long time. But even I am only a drop in the ocean compared to these snowmen. So I search, and I find out what I can. And through all of that, across all these years, it has led me to here. I once came to these lands many years ago, but thought never to return. I want to know about the world. I found out everything I can, but my knowledge only goes back so far. The snowmen, only they can tell me how many centuries they have walked the earth and what they know.
1: And you think they'll just be willing to give you this, this knowledge?
0: Perhaps not. But when you are not a slave to time, as I am, you can afford to go down the covered path. <laughs> that has led me to here. It is said, to drink the blood of the snowmen is to see what they see. Now, if that is true, or not,
1: time will tell. Then we are just obstacles in your way. Dracula nods. Rollison closes his eyes, accepting death. He says, do it then. I want to see my wife again. And Dracula smirks. (laughs) You believe in that?
0: (laughs) I expected a fight.
1: For the girl's life, at least. Rollison looks at her sadly and is ashamed of his selfishness. He thinks quickly. Take us with you. Both of us. You you want something from the snowmen. And they might want us, seeing as they took the whole village. Dracula agrees to this. Rollison doesn't have a plan, but he thinks it might give him time to come up with one. The only thing that matters now is saving Netu. And so in the darkness, they hike further up. Finally coming up on a snowman settlement. We see a handful of them, and they're huge. Nine foot tall creatures with faces that are somewhere between apes and humans. Though we can see only a few of them. It is quite clear that there are shining eyes looking out from hiding spots across the clearing. So there's you know, quite a few of these things. Awesome. We see the people kidnapped from the village, but they are unhurt. They're actually fine. Netu rushes into the arms of her family. The leader of the snowman steps forward. He looks vaguely familiar, and we may recognize him as the snowman from the end of the 1950s film. (laughs) Brilliant. He shares a knowing look with Rollison, but it's unclear what he's thinking. Is he angry that Rollison has returned? But then he hears a voice. It's the snowman leader's voice, but his mouth doesn't move, and no one else seems to be hearing it. It's only for him. It says, never saw you coming back, but here you are. I... Didn't want to, says Rollison aloud, and everybody looks at him. We took the villagers to keep them safe, says the leader. Safe from it. He points at Dracula, who steps forward and pleads his case for sharing in their knowledge. He even offers up Rollison and the girl, a foolish move. The leader forbids it, and he speaks directly to Dracula. You are unlike us. It is true. You are unlike any. And that is a good thing. We care about... The way the world is how it is left how it will be we come here to wait we have patience we are not you and never will be we do not deal in pain and anger and destructive violence you are an abomination
0: oh yes and you are all pathetic and weak this world you are in these mountains you cower behind They are castles in the sand that will blow away in time. You think you are going to wait patiently and outlive the humans? That world, the world you long for centuries from now, that is a world that will still have me in it.
1: No, it won't, poor creature. For without the humans, there will be nothing left for you to leech off.
0: There will always be something. I will always find a way.
1: That's why some of us have to suffer forever. Dracula clenches his fists in fury and charges at the leader. When he is inches from his face, his form changes into a sea of bats that swarm at the leader, though he gently swats them away. Dracula targets some of the weaker-looking snowmen as a vicious fight ensues. They may be a peaceful creature, but when provoked, they are terrifying to behold.
2: It's a showdown.
1: (laughs) The leader puts his hands into the snow and roars against the wind. Snow changes direction midair and hammers down into the bats, stunting their flight path and sending them crashing to the ground. In their place, Dracula's form once again appears. He charges at the leader, who still keeps his hand on the ground and roars once more. The ice around him cracks and opens wide into a crevasse that widens until it meets an unsuspecting Dracula and he plummets down into the darkness. The leader removes his hand from the ground and the furious look on his face is replaced by once more by calmness. He turns to face Rollison and the others but doesn't notice the bats that spew from the crevasse by the hundreds and take shape behind him in the form of Dracula who buries his teeth into the leader's neck and drinks (sighs) His blood. The leader pushes him away and staggers backwards, but steadies himself. Dracula stands before all, savouring the taste on the tip of his tongue. He smiles triumphantly and waits for the effect. But what he gets is not the one he expects. He staggers forwards, his vision blurred. And then he vomits blood. He spews it up all over the snow and falls to his knees.
0: What is happening to me?
1: We are unlike the humans. Our blood is poison to you. What you came here for is a waste, but we cannot let you harm anymore. They move in on him, but Rollison steps between them and Dracula. He looks down on the vampire with almost pity, like a wounded animal. Rollison says, it's a cycle of violence, and we'd be no better than him. He's a crawling animal. He turns to Dracula. We don't get to have all the answers. That's what makes us human. We try, we fail, and we try again. There are no shortcuts when it comes to life, but you, you're not alive. You don't even understand the pain you inflict on others, because you don't know how it feels anymore. The pain you have, the pain you carry, was so long ago, and now, now you feel nothing. Dracula looks up at him slowly and says,
0: I feel it. I still feel it.
1: The leader bids him leave, or he can wait a while longer for the sun if he chooses. Dracula vanishes from their sight, and the snowmen bid them farewell to return to their lives and leave the snowmen to their own. Later, when they make their way slowly down the mountain, Rollison trails behind Netu and her family. She looks back at him and smiles, and he returns it. Then he hears a voice in his head, but soon realises that it is in his head. How else could he be hearing the voice of his dead wife? She calls to him, and against his better judgement, he follows happy to hear her once more. He finds himself separated from the villagers and off the path and into a clearing. A figure walks out from behind a rock. The figure is Dracula. He limps in a weakened state and Rollison says, Get out of my head!
0: Is it not nice to hear her once more? In the cave? You were afraid, but not of me. No, you were afraid that she was gone and you were alone. You were Helen, do you think it is possible that you will see her again?
1: Rollison looks at him and says, I I hope so. Dracula slowly walks towards him, understanding and pain in his eyes. Rollison's eyes are the same. Dracula reaches out and gently takes a hold of Rollison's neck and looks at him one last time. Rollison nods, and Dracula sinks his teeth what? into his neck again and again and again. Rollison drops to the ground as Dracula slowly walks away and stands at the edge of the cliff he looks out at the sky as the last pieces of darkness disappear readying for the morning sun and for a moment he doesn't move he merely thinks about a person only one person and her smile but then he vanishes to find shelter from the light Rollison lays in the snow not feeling the chill His blood leaks from his wounds and stains the snow in all directions. The morning sun breaks through and lights his face. He closes his weary eyes. He thinks of Helen. And he smiles. The end. Yes! Woo! Yes! Yes! Holy shit. So that's Woo. the snowmen. Mate. <laughs> Sorry for keeping you in the dark <laughs> oh my about God. what Twist was gonna happen. Year. I gotta say like a huge thanks to Greg because Greg just got here just a little bit before recording and I just sort of shoved this in his oh face and was God. like, Do you mind reading <laughs> some words here? So um But I'm, yeah. I'm giddy. I figure when you got. I did you got have my own
2: <laughs> private performance.
1: That was friggin' amazing. I figure when you've got Dracula in the building, you kind of got to. I did say to Damo very cryptically, I'm like, oh, you know, we've got Greg, who's a great actor, so I'll probably give him a voice Throw or two in. to do, you know? Yeah, I didn't think anything. Um, oh, my God. Fuck yeah.
2: You, you got me good, mate. You got me good. good. You bastard. Good, good. <laughs> oh, look, that's up there as one of your best yet. Already. Thank you. Sir. I think you've outdone yourself. I had a lot of fun. I mean, you and Dracula. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it just comes out so well!
1: Holy shit! It's very fun to write, and I mean, it's um, I got to pay a lot of credit to Greg because I just—it's quite easy when I hear Greg's voice in my head, yeah. and it's like I can just kind of like spit out some dialogue. Oh. And the, the beauty of it is that Greg's so good that he kind of makes anything you write sound <laughs> pretty good. So, cheers, mate! Oh, um, oh, but my approach, that. my approach was kind of similar when we talked about creature last week. We yep. were like. When we talked about doing classic horror pictures or something, you just kind of picked the film and you mm. hadn't seen it yet. And mm. I hadn't seen The Abominable Snowman. I just assumed I'd like it because it was about snowmen <laughs> right. in the mountains. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, oh, cool. yeah I love yeah. the mountains. Yeah. 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 I had like an epiphany about a week ago where I was like, oh, oh, what if I, oh, what yeah, if I put Dracula in? Yeah. Well, it was around the time when we were kind of like, oh, let's maybe get like a guest in or someone. I thought right. Greg would be really good. And I yeah. thought, hang on, I've got Greg. Oh. Oh, well, well, like try something. I've yeah. got Dracula. So yeah, it was fun. Oh, um, great. nice. I'll tell you the bit in it that I was most excited when I came up with it. It was when I decided to use the flamethrower yeah. on Anderson. Yeah. yeah. Cuz I was like, "Oh, and then what if I go back yeah. and put like a story about how he didn't he hated watching people yes. get burned and, Oh, oh." Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: like
2: the beauty beautiful tragedy of it all <laughs> yeah. is oh delicious. And then Dracula's
0: just quite happy to use that against
2: <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, of course. Right. Oh, and then my heart breaks at the bloody end. Mm.
1: Oh, man. Well, I just figured he's lost his wife. No, that was good. And for him, it's kind of like, it's acceptance. And I'm playing at the thing that Dracula can obviously Mm. get inside people's heads. And he's seen that. He knows in the cave, Dracula was trying to scare him. But really, he saw that the fear was to do with the wife and that sort of thing. And I really love that the hook for Dracula was that sort of offhand mention of kill me so I can see my wife. Right. You know, in the oh, afterlife or How, whatever's beyond, and, and Dracula's kind of like dismissive at first, but then yeah. later, that's what pulls him back in because he's kind of like, because obviously, you yeah, he can't help but relate to that. Has that thing in his past that's, you know, been that's a weight on him. He's
0: not able to do right. Exactly. He's exactly. able to allow that for a yeah. human to to feel that, but Dracula can't do that. So no. That's the one thing. That yeah. And so it's almost
2: like an him. act of
1: compassion. Yeah. When yeah. he kills him. Well, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of what Greg just said. It's mm. like Dracula. He's probably too afraid to... Like, I mean, he stands on the cliff at the end mm. and he could quite easily just stay there and the sun could come up and he could find out what happens right. beyond as, yeah. as Rollison is. But for him, it's kind of like, I am I actually can't do that. Yeah, I can't accept that. I'm not at a point yet where I can... Right. Actually, where I'm, I, he's not brave enough to do it. No, he's think, almost, yeah. almost live like, too long at this point to be able to accept he's it. He's like, if I can help this man do it, then okay. Yeah. That's maybe some little glimmer oh. that I can... Some small kindness yeah. that I can do. Yeah. But yeah. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and
2: 365-day returns. And I loved your snowmen. Yeah, they, they weren't like... like I, I mean, I loved... As soon as there was a showdown, I was all, I was all in.
0: <laughs> yeah, and how powerful they are And well. how powerful yeah. they are. See, like, yeah. they
2: can be scary yep. if they can take on Dracula mm. and win. Yep. And then, yeah, when he drank their blood... But it didn't go the way he thought it was going to go. Yeah. Yeah. mate. Yeah. That was just like
1: me scribbling in my notebook and being like, oh, what can I do? What can I do? Because I was kind of like, I had the idea of using Dracula in the cave. Mm. I've had an idea for a while of wanting a scene in something that has like a Dracula crossover. Yes. Where from the darkness, you hear that whistle and you go, oh, fucking hell. He's in there. Yeah. And I thought, this is kind of the perfect moment to do it. And then I was Uh. like, but then I need to kind of be like... What does Dracula want? Right, but I think it's natural for him because yeah. he's been around for centuries. And then if the snowmen have as well, it's kind of like let's share some knowledge. I want to know what mm. what's the what the deal is. Yeah, I want to yeah. know everything I can.
2: No, it's a, it's a super strong motivation mm. that so totally suits his character because what else has he got but time? That's so it. why wouldn't
0: he go find out some stuff? Yeah, and why wouldn't he want to know if they know something? Maybe they know how Dracula can get back to his lost love. Exactly, life. that's yeah. it. Yeah, he and just, that's the only thing that keeps driving him. He keeps thinking she's going to get reborn. Mm or someone else or somebody's going to have that same connection with someone else that never comes. Yeah. But the snowmen, <laughs> <laughs> They've got the answer. I like and they <laughs> I like kind of it. do. Like you get
2: the sense that yeah, they're this they are this next level being. Yeah, I don't yeah. think
1: about what they know too much, but yeah. probably if you do, you're probably like, yeah. I'm sure they know everything. Well, you think <laughs> yeah. if
0: it's that whole mystical thing is, it? Yeah. it's like, what do they know? Well, they probably know everything. Yeah, exactly. But I
1: like that'll that we, do. But I like that we never know. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Because yeah. we're not meant to. It's like, I don't know.
1: It's cool to play around with like their powers too, because yeah. I thought, because, uh, yeah, I didn't want to go too much into it earlier with mm. the whole, because in the film they imply that Rollison's mind got wiped or whatever. Whereas mm. when I watched, I got to the end of the 50s film and I went, no, I thought it was an active choice yeah. of yeah. him being like, I've met oh, them, I've seen them, mm. and I, I'm choosing to tell people there's nothing there to stop more people from going right. there. I've seen what happens so, when people so, go so after you, them. So
0: in that final scene where he meets them, do you think that they, they're they communicating and in that communication there's some agreement that look, don't tell the world that we're here and yeah. then they let him go? I think mm. so. Oh, yeah. Ah, that's mm. interesting. Yeah, because I took it the other way that they'd kind of just wiped his
1: mind. Right, right. yeah, like, yeah. That's because the movie's a little bit ambiguous oh like yeah so i went to the wikipedia Very and i was completely. like and then it, it says in the wikipedia so that the official line is that they wiped his memory and i'm kind of okay. like that's not the read i got oh, no, yeah not I'd at much all prefer your take on yeah. it because yeah. then
0: he's oh, he's then he's an active character mm, yeah and, and he actively chooses yeah. it i love it and just
2: especially with him having to like lie to his wife that's and, oh, yeah, yeah that's brilliant so for yeah.
1: 30 years he's kind of carried yeah. this and he's probably yeah, like everybody thinks oh he just forgot like oh, i'm curious to know what he said to people you know what happened up mm. there Oh, that makes
0: the look on the German Lama's yeah, face yeah. even more telling because mm. then I just took that as to be, oh, no, there yeah. is nothing up right. there. Well, I, I, took it, like, yeah.
1: I took it that the German Lama was kind of like, very good. We all pretend there's <laughs> yes. nothing there yeah, to yeah, protect you them and the world is in yeah. balance Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. Ah,
2: yeah, yeah. Do, you have a, do you have a cast for Anderson?
1: Oh, shit. I didn't even think of that. That's I, so funny.
2: When you gave his back. His backstory, is brilliant. Yeah. Because his motivation is so strong. Like, yeah. I was really on board with that. And especially that timeline, you're like, of course he's a vet. Of yep. course he's a Vietnam vet. You Who'd know? you see?
0: Yeah.
2: Who'd I see? I didn't really see anyone, to I be honest. I saw Mel
0: Gibson. Oh. 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 Yeah. I, pretty I, good. As, just yeah. as you were saying it, I'm like, boom. Yeah.
1: I could see that. That's, that's funny because- I didn't think about an actor for it, but when I was thinking about the character, the movie that I was thinking about was We Were Soldiers. Hal yeah. Gibson. Yeah, completely. Just that whole thing about, because yeah. oh, he I plays, uh, I think, Lieutenant Hal Moore in that film, and his yeah. whole line is, men will die. And right. they have to accept it and move on. Yeah. But he's also the the, the lieutenant who was kind of like, we won't leave any bodies behind. I actually yeah. quite like that film. Yeah, Mel Gibson would be good. Mm. Um, my mind sort of wanders to like Russell Crowe or because something like that. Yeah. Yeah. When does oh, your no. mind not wander to Russell Crowe? <laughs> Rusty could do it. Yeah. But yeah, you probably want someone who's about you know forties, fifties. Oh, Mel Gibson's a bit older than that now. Mm. He's probably like, he's probably nearly seventy, isn't he? Yeah, Mel Gibson. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's still got it though.
2: Yeah.
1: But yeah, he could work. He's he's, oh. he's, a, he's He'd be a hard, hard man, wouldn't he? Like that yeah. character. Yeah. And
2: that's the, and the thing about his character. Obviously, he cares about his men living. Yeah. As much as you know, he's sort of, yes, yeah, men will die. But he doesn't give a shit about the villagers.
1: No, he's there. Like, I mean, I could have played more with the whole idea of his mission is probably go there, capture one, bring them back. Because yeah. I'm assuming that the government have potentially heard the same thing that Dracula yeah, right. has. And it's like, if we can. Yeah get the blood and experiment and maybe yeah. we can learn secrets because knowledge is power and yes. we want to win the next war that happens so yeah, we don't good. fuck yeah, it up good. again and yeah you know. we
0: can control the um, mm. isis or yeah. whatever yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah as the uh, american military always do they always yeah. it, it's either the military or the fbi that just screw everything up mm. yeah that's completely
2: it. that's it <laughs> But yeah <laughs>
0: i don't know that's my take on twist, on though. the snowmen oh
1: you got me nice you son of a bitch thank you boys Cheers. yeah uh, and on that note I've been Carney. I've been Damien. I've been Greg. And if you have any thoughts about the Abominable Snowman or anything you want to see or who we should cast as as Anderson, if not Mel Gibson or Rusty Crow, uh, you can hit us up at mmsandspants at gmail.com or on Twitter at mmsandspants, or you can find us individually. I'm at Sidekick of Dowie.
2: I'm at Midday Pajamas. Greg? I'm not
0: on
1: Twitter. Not on Twitter. Yeah, oh, we have a, a live show coming up in Sydney on November the sixteenth at the place remember. that's called I think Knox Street Bar or Knock something Bar? like that. Yeah, that sounds all right. Nice. I think it's in Chippendale. Oh mate, your memory is amazing. We'll Chippendale's put, are a lovely place. We'll put the uh the we'll put it in the show notes where you can find yep. tickets for that. And uh, Greg, have you got anything coming up? Uh, I've got a play called The
0: Commune. It's on in Melbourne at Voltaire. Opens November fifteenth. Come and see it if you're in Melbourne.
1: Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Definitely okay. will. Written by Gabe Bergmoser. Yes, oh, yeah. who's he? He's a young uh, playwright. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's an he's, up and comer. A bit we'll wet behind, a bit yeah. behind the ears, yeah, but he's yeah. a quality yeah. young lad. Right. He's and
0: done he's a couple up. of plays, apparently. Oh, okay. A yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.